Hey, I wanted to let you know I am releasing a book this spring, this April, actually. It's my very first book, and it is so near and dear to my heart. It's called Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating, desire, and sex. And I truly believe it will encourage and equip you to navigate faith, desire, intimacy, and relationships free from shame and fear and with a holistic and biblical vision. I would be so grateful if you snagged a copy. You can actually pre-order it right now on Amazon.com or Kindle, Audible, Barnes & Noble, or honestly, anywhere you purchase books. When you pre-order it, please send me an email at social at therefinedwoman.com because I would love to send you some free goodies and resources as a thank you. All right, let's get to the podcast. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface. We're going to talk about everything from life to love and pretty much everything in between. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it. Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have some fun too, because Lord knows I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective podcast on iTunes. And if you're an old friend, welcome back. And would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be so grateful. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, go on and slide into my DMs on Instagram. I love hearing from you. It's at The Refined Woman. Now let's go ahead and get to it. Today is a first for me as a podcast host and for us here at The Refined Collective. This is the first time I will have ever interviewed three people at once for my podcast and It's a great conversation. In fact, it was such a great conversation that I've split it into two different episodes. And part one goes live this week. Part two is going to go live next week. Now, why in the world would I have three people at once on a podcast show? Well, because I had all three hosts of the Knights at the Roundtable podcast chatting with me. They're a package deal, guys. I wanted to talk to every single one of them because they're that legit and that cool. Let me tell you a little bit about the Knights at the Roundtable and who we'll be talking to today. So the Knights at the Roundtable was a podcast that was birthed over nights of wine and good food and friends. And the hosts are actress and comedian Angela Johnson. You may have seen her Netflix special. If not, go check it out. And her husband, singer, songwriter, and producer Manuel Reyes. And their friend, who is a storyteller and preacher, Brandon Smith. Talk about three incredible people. What they're known for on their podcast is talking about faith, love, relationships, and the deconstruction of them all. And in our search for answers to life questions, they've really found that sometimes it's better to be content with questions as opposed to finding these airtight answers. And we'll unpack that in today's episode. Their mission is that we don't have to have it all figured out, but we do know that we'd rather figure it out together. So their invitation is always to pull up a chair because everyone is invited at the table. I love to set the tone of what their podcast is about because it will set the tone of what we're doing today. 
Now, all four of us, Angela, Manuel, Brandon, myself, we all love God, and we're all on very different parts of our spiritual journey with God. And that's okay. That is okay. We talk a lot about deconstruction in this episode because that's a huge theme of their podcast. And I think deconstruction is this definitely buzzword right now. It's totally having a moment. And what deconstruction is, is allowing yourself to ask yourself questions like, why do I believe what I believe? How did I get to believe the current things I believe about God, Jesus, the Bible? Are these things true? Are they in alignment with God? Are they in alignment with scripture? Or were they sound bites that actually are rooted in shame that we need to let go of? Allowing yourself to go on a journey or exploration of seeking God and giving yourself the permission to ask hard questions is a huge part of that deconstruction process that so many people are talking about right now. In my own life, I've deconstructed a ton in my faith so that, not that I could live in the deconstruction, like I believe we deconstruct so we rebuild, so we reconstruct. And when we give ourselves the space to ask hard questions, Often what comes with that is doubt, and doubt can feel really scary. So today's topic is doubt. We're talking all about what doubts we each have, and as I reflected back on the conversation with Manuel, Angela, and Brandon, a story in the New Testament came to my mind. It's with the boy who is demon-possessed and almost dead, and the father is desperate for a miracle and brings his son to Jesus and says, if you can do anything, help us. And Jesus replies, anything is possible for a person who believes. The father says back to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus healed the boy. You see, in this story, we see that Jesus honors the humanity of the Father. Jesus didn't resent or judge his doubts. I believe, help my unbelief. I feel like that's one of the most honest, real moments in Scripture. I resonate with it so much, and I feel like that's me every day. I believe, I believe. Do I believe? Is this crazy? I don't know if I believe. And God honors honesty and and meets us where we're at. So all in all, I used to feel really afraid of doubt because I thought maybe if I doubt, it means I don't believe. But now I believe we find our humanity in the doubt and God meets us in those spaces. It may feel scary, but every single time I've allowed myself to tease out a question or to doubt God, God has always met me in such unexpected ways. So let's get into this conversation with the Knights at the Roundtable hosts, Angela, Manuel, and Brandon. Put your seatbelts on, y'all. We're going on a ride. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm so excited you are here today. A special shout out to Newsstand Studio here at Rockefeller Center in New York City. Thank you so much for making me feel so fancy, letting me record my podcast here. I have so much gratitude. So Newsstand Studio and Joe, hello, who is producing this. Thank you so much. Thank you, Newsstand Studio. Thank you, Rockefeller. Y'all are the bomb.com. And let's talk about today. Today, I'm very excited about the guests that we have on. We're going to talk about sex, okay? Because clearly, I love talking about sex because I have a book coming out called Sexless in the City. And I figured, what 
else better to talk about than married people who have sex. So today we have Brandon and Angela and Manuel from the Nights at the Roundtable podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome. Hello. Hello. Good. Just out here in these streets. Just you know, out here in these Los streets. Angeles streets. <laughs> Keeping it real. Keeping it real. Deadly winter. I'm a little jealous. Seventy-nine degree Los oh. Angeles streets. Yeah, I'm Are jealous. you guys like wearing your Uggs since it's so freezing there right now? Yeah. <laughs> I gotta turn the heater on. I'm I'm thinking I'm, about hopping in the pool as well. Oh my gosh. <laughs> dying to be in the cold. Well I'm dying. Come to New York. I'm about to hit a road trip. Come on up. I'm kind of currently having a heat stroke because the thing in New York that I feel like every year I've been in New York for seven years that I forget is like it's effing cold outside. So you need like the puffer and the long johns and the Mm -hmm. L.O. Bean boots. And I get so cold so fast. But then you walk inside anywhere and it's a thousand degrees. And I'm like, is it okay if I'm naked? Because I'm about to die. (laughs) I don't know whose idea was that. And now you're holding all eight of your layers. I feel that every time I would go into Saks or any of those stores, they have it at 75 and you're just peeling layers. Oh, man. Get out 65. I know. Can we just like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's up that a little let's, bit. Can we just, you know, be a little bit more balanced here? Because if I wasn't going to get the flu from being out in the cold, it's definitely going to happen from yeah. going to like a 50 degree difference from inside to outside. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So real talk. I found you first on TikTok. Oh, nice. And I don't know if you guys have like specific things now that when you experience them, they take you to like an exact moment of the pandemic. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah. you're like, okay, okay, okay. Ooh, uh, uh, oh, yeah. uh, 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 hey, hit it, hit it, hit it. I was like, wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> that dance, like, kind, like seeing you guys do that. I was like, okay, I'm 35. I can be on TikTok. I, I'm okay. <laughs> they can do it. I can do it. So that definitely started my like TikTok season of quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're. We're on the older side of TikTokers for sure. Yeah. They're like, (laughs) get out of here. Um, So then Mm -hmm. I found your podcast, fell in love with it. So excited to be chatting with y'all. So I want to, before we get into the sexy time, I feel like we need to have a little foreplay. Sure. Hey. 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 So. See what you did there. You see what I did there? All (laughs) the puns intended. I love now that I get to talk about sex because of my book. Because I'm like, all the puns. I mean them. Yeah. We talk about climax. I mean climax. Great. (laughs) So, okay, let's go back to your quarantine. Do you have like a season where you're like, this takes me back? Like if there's a moment, if there's a thing like the hit it, hit it TikTok for me was like late March, maybe early April. Mm. That was our beginning. Yeah. I think just getting on TikTok period was (laughs) quarantine. Reminds me of quarantine because we got on it because of quarantine. Yeah. So um, getting on TikTok reminds me of like my favorite part of quarantine mm. where it's just like um, airport lounge rules for drinking yeah. where yes. it was like 9 a.m. cocktails yes. and that's okay because <laughs> we're all experiencing this new thing called a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like eating whatever you wanted and everybody's home and we're like, yes, this is the best. And then it took a real dark turn real quick. Yeah, yeah, similar for me. It was um, it was actually like puzzles. So it was probably like oh, I had a puzzle season got, too. Yeah, <laughs> when we first had the first stay at home order, we're like thinking, you know, everyone's hopeful. It's going to be three weeks. We're going to be out of here. It's going to be great. And then three weeks go by, and it's thinking, oh, it's going to be another three months. We'll be good, you know. And we started ordering a bunch of puzzles, 
and we actually bought like an actual puzzle table. Yes, we did. Avid puzzlers. So the puzzle, <laughs> the puzzle started the puzzle season. I will call it. It started in the beginning of April. Yes, and it, it didn't end until July. Yes, at that point. Yeah, so it was for some months. Oh, man. That's, yes. that's prophetic, bro. The yeah. Lord was putting the pieces together. <laughs> come, on, come on, come on. I feel like there's a sermon in there. There's a sermon somewhere oh, in there. there is a sermon. <laughs> Tune in Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a puzzle season at my house. So I went home from New York City to Dallas for what I thought would be about six days. And then that turned in three months. We went through a puzzle season where my mom introduced me to Facebook Marketplace. I was like, what is this amazingness? Facebook Marketplace? <laughs> it's like way better than Craigslist. Anyway, yeah. so she's buying puzzles off Craigslist. I kid you not. I worked on this. It was this weird angel Christmas puzzle. I worked <laughs> that on that thing. People would be like, it's time for dinner. I'm like, no, I got to do the puzzle. And then I was almost done. I had like three pieces left and I go, I don't know, maybe I had a podcast interview or something and I go back and it's finished. And my <gasps> mom's like sitting there playing words with friends on her phone. And I was like, mom, did you finish the puzzle? <laughs> and she was like, oh, yeah, you just had three pieces left. And I was like, mom, I don't know if we can be in relationship anymore. I just I feel like I need to go break something because like well, she did you a favor. Oh, man, I finished it for you. I know. She's like, I finished. I felt That's like so I was mean. like Ross from Friends, like my sandwich. Like <laughs> My husband likes to open my birthday and Christmas gifts for me no. as if he's doing me a favor. He'll go, yeah. I opened, I helped you. I'm I serving. opened it for I'm you. I'm serving you. That's oh, what man. I'm doing. Man. I'm serving you the best way, the way the Lord mm-hmm. intended. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just wrong. I don't have wrong. any remembrance of anything. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the only remembrance I have of COVID at the beginning is specifically is getting fat. Yeah. You're like, my jeans not fitting. No, call it getting cozy. That's what I remember. (laughs) Cozy boys. I never thought I could ever hit 200 pounds, but I sure did. Hey, first time for everything. You hit hard. I hit hard. With all your might. And it wasn't my fault. (laughs) It was mainly you guys introducing me to all that banana bread. (gasps) I went through Uh, a banana bread season as well. (laughs) Yeah, banana bread season. Every kind of banana bread, almond flour, no Mm -hmm. kind of sugar, like all the kinds of banana bread. I was actually grateful for that season. Hey, you know, now you know, if anyone asks, do you know how to be 200 pounds? The answer is, yeah, Yeah. totally. And I know how to answer, do you know what it's like to have your Lululemon yoga pants feel too tight? Yes. I do know. Our friend had a problem with that. That's a phase. Yeah, that's a phase. That was possible. That's that's a real phase. All right, y'all. Um, you ready to talk about some sex, sexy time? Sure. Cool. Yeah. Give it to us. All right. So I think before well, we kind of dive into that, I never want to assume where anyone is or isn't spiritually or faith wise. And mm-hmm. so, and I, I've listened to a couple of your sex episodes, but you know, some of them were last year. I think it's been a minute since they aired. So I don't want to pretend that I know where you're at in your spiritual life right now. And so I thought we would kind of all just kind of share like, where are you at spiritually, faith-wise, kind of like when you were dating and marriage time versus like where you are now. Mm-hmm. And I'll go first. Okay. Um, even though I'm not married. Um, <laughs> to give you context, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in Texas, though. I like to say that Christianity was sort of the air I breathed. And, and yeah. so by the time I became a Christian, my senior year of high school, even though I didn't grow up in a Christian home, it was taught to me. You don't mm-hmm. have sex outside of marriage. So 
learning wow. those concepts from the church wasn't a new concept to me. It didn't feel weird. I was like, oh, yeah, got that. Plus, I'm from Texas, so I'll probably be married and when I'm like 18. So <laughs> no big deal. It's totally fine. And so I also I like got, quote unquote, saved, whatever you want to call it, at one like a huge mega church. So 20,000 people. I mean, I became a Christian and then like a week later, they threw a mic at me and were like, get up on stage. So, <laughs> you know, don't really know how I feel about that. But then I went to college. I became a Bible major. And I what? was like the annoying girl that was like, hey, do you want to fight about which translation of the Bible is best? And are you a Calvinist <laughs> or an Arminianist? I mean, just the worst. Like You didn't oh. just become a Christian. Like you were out to win Christianity. Oh, I'm a three on the Enneagram. I'm like, what? Oh, can I be the too. poster child, please? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so it was like a lot of black and white, not a lot of nuance and gray. And then mm-hmm. after college, moved to California And then after that, moved to New York City. The devil got me. The devil got me in New York. (laughs) Or the devil got me in L.A. Actually, the Mm woo-woo people got me in L.A. And then, you know, the devil Mm -hmm. got me in New York. But I Mm -hmm. feel like kind of in the last uh, seven-ish years, just kind of stepping into a lot more gray space, things that felt really black and white to me, very easy to answer. Even just Mm -hmm. stuff like, man, the Old Testament of the Bible, I was like, God is good. It doesn't matter that there was genocide and rape and polygamy. Like, Mm -hmm. I just was like, God is good. Don't think too much about it. So that was then. And so now it's more, especially in the last year, I feel like spiritually so much has shifted. I Where I'm at now is I'm like, I love Jesus. I could do. And why are Christians the worst? (laughs) And so I'm like, come on y'all. So I've just had a really hard time with like evangelical culture. I just moved recently. I'm not a part of a church right now, which is like the first time in like almost 20 years. And so that's kind of where I am at now. I just wrote a book and it's talking about me like being a virgin, waiting till marriage to have sex, and then kind of going on this journey of what I believe about God and sex And yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of context for where I'm at and would love to hear where y'all are. Great. Thank you. Whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Very similar, I would say, to the table. (laughs) Um, Babe, I feel like you should go first because I felt like she was describing your life in the beginning. And I was like, yeah, that's black and white. Uh huh. Very staunch. Yeah. Benny. I was very staunch. Bible major. Yes. I went to Bible college as well. Oh, hey. I was really good at arguing. Uh, I thought that was, I thought that was the thing I need to be right. You need to be wrong. Mm -hmm. This is how we win. Yeah. This is how they lose. Yep. Uh, I'm a rapper and some would say Christian rapper. I will not call myself a Christian rapper, but, uh, I was a rapper and I was that guy that would always like diss secular rappers Mm. for talking about money and girls. Mm -hmm. And it was like that when I'm like, what else would they talk about? <laughs> like, they're not going to church. Why would they talk about Jesus? So I was just really just dumb. And uh, <laughs> then eventually I found myself in the industry, signed for like 12 years. I was in the Christian industry, saw a lot of things happen that kind of bur- bursted the bubble, you know, pre, I was, I would say probably like four or five years before getting signed. So here I am doing human videos to these artists, music and doing dramas and Mm -hmm. all this stuff and using it for worship and blah, 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 right? And then I get in the industry and I'm like, oh, snap, 
Y'all don't write your songs. A lot of you don't even write the songs. You just get songs from like a little 40-year-old man that's balding and he writes amazing songs to Jesus. <laughs> but wait, does Lecrae just, write his songs? I feel like yeah, Lecrae yeah, writes Lecrae, his songs. <laughs> Lecrae writes his stuff, yeah. Uh, but I, I just realized that it, it just was, wasn't what I thought it was, you know? Mm-hmm. There, was, there was more humans. So I wasn't even mad. I literally wasn't, I was more upset at my projection of what I thought mm. it was. I wasn't, I was actually grateful to see humanity and frailty and all that stuff in it. Yeah. And by the time I got out of the industry, I realized, oh, I never want to be back in that industry. Not because I hate Jesus or his people, but because I hated what the industry made, forced us to think. Mm. It created parameters and built walls for us so that we weren't thinking anymore. Mm. And once I got out, that's what I recognized the most. So in our deconstruction period of what we're doing on our podcast, we're we're just basically asking all the questions we wanted to ask back when we were in the industry Mm. and not afraid of what people think because we asked questions. Because that's one thing that I realized is what Christians are most afraid of is the questions. Like they're just just afraid to ask as if the asking would somehow negate your footing with the Lord. Mm. And it doesn't make sense. In the Jewish culture, it's different because that's all they do is go back and forth on what these things mean, ask questions, ask questions, uh, argue in the most healthy, positive way so that they can come to an understanding of what this scripture means. But we do not. We we see questioning as, as weakness. Mm. That means you're not solid in your faith. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, who the hell is? Who is so confident in their attempt at understanding scripture that don't even speak Greek and Hebrew. They don't even speak it. Right. But are fully confident that they know what this translation means. They're like working off of a, you know, version number 35, Mm. not even interested in really understanding what, what the original language is, but will use it to judge every person around them. And I think that's where I found myself getting off the train. My man, I don't ever want to pretend that I'm right again. I don't ever want to ever say those words out of my mouth. I don't ever want to be so confident that I'll look down at somebody else's view and act as if my view is certain. Because the amount of change that I've done since I've gotten married has been exponential to where new me, 2021 me, would call... Uh, 20, when did we get married? 2011 me mm-hmm. will call 2021 me an absolute hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Unsaved, ungodly, this guy's going to hell for sure. <laughs> and I need to make sure I distinguish who's going to hell or not because mm-hmm. this is important. Wow. <laughs> for my salvation, I need to know. <laughs> and so now I'm in the place where I, I, I'm not afraid of any voice, mm-hmm. no matter where it's coming from, any ideology, not afraid of any criticism towards Christianity. I'm just not afraid of any of that because I find myself more on the sides of people questioning than the people who swear to the good Lord Jesus that they're correct. Mm. Real talk. After sitting in the same sweatpants for almost an entire pandemic, I have decided to freshen up my wardrobe and have been shopping and selling on Curtsy. I love it because they have the coolest pieces at thrift store prices. You know I love a good sale. Even better, all the pieces are delivered to your doorstep. Now, I love Curtsy because you're shopping from real women in your size and style. 
It's so easy to use, and I found some really incredible deals. It's also nice that it's just women's clothes, too. With the Curtsy app, you get thrift store prices delivered directly to your door, so no need to sort through thousands of items that aren't your style or size. I even found Lululemon tops for 20 bucks and Lululemon leggings for $40, which is a total steal. The app has all my favorite brands from Nike to Urban Outfitters to Champion, Free People, Zara, and Levi's all up to 70% off. And I know selling clothes can be a huge pain, but Curtsy has actually made the selling process so easy, literally anyone can do it. Also, I don't really know how to price my items very well, but Curtsy suggests a price, which is super helpful. If you don't have a printer, don't worry about it. They'll mail you a shipping label for free, which I love. And the coolest part is when you get to instantly cash out to your debit card. Hey, yo. I am super excited to get the Lululemon black joggers that I recently ordered on Curtsy. I'm going to be sporting them all over my house, all around town. You better believe it. So if you want a sustainable way to get Brandy, Urban, Champion, and Lulu delivered directly to your door, download Curtsy today and enter promo code REFINED for 15% off your first order. Search for Curtsy in the App Store, and that's spelled C-U-R-T-S-Y, and enter promo code REFINED for 15% off your first order. One more time, that's Curtsy app, and the promo code is REFINED. One of my favorite authors, Madeline Engel, says, you know, something like, life is less about finding airtight answers and more about asking the right questions. And I hear that and what you're sharing. And here's what I have to believe. If God is real, then God does not have an ego that is fragile Mm -hmm. when questions and doubt come. Like God's ego. And if if God is sovereign, then the questions are okay. I mean, it's been happening since the beginning of time. I mean, we got a book that we swear by. Back in the day, there was no book. You got Abraham out there just chilling in the fields. Looking at the stars. Just asking hella questions. <laughs> it's like, why wouldn't he? Why? Mm-hmm. I think the asking of, I think if you're that person listening that is afraid of questions, I think really what you need to be praying about is pride. Because there is an immense sense of ego that is being hurt by someone who asks questions. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a massive egotistical yeah. thing to think that you are so certain about this this book and what God thinks of you, not only you, but of everyone else that you really got to check that ego. Cause I don't, I don't know how you would have to have the most biggest spiritual balls to ever say that. (laughs) I I think too, also on the opposite end, I think there also is this thought that if I ask this question, I know what it'll lead to. Mm. So it's almost like you want to stay, whether in denial, you want to stay in this lie because it feels comfortable and this is what you've known. But deep down inside, sometimes there is this knowing that knows if I ask this question, I'm going to open up a door that I'm not going to be able to close again. And so that was kind of one of the things that happened in my spiritual journey. And that door got opened in 2015, which was a a very pivotal year for me. I met my my future wife um, and I got done playing professional basketball. And so before that moment, I grew up in a very charismatic Christian space and sort of similar like you was like kind of a poster boy for that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like high school, I'm like leading Bible studies. I'm like traveling and preaching in high school. Winning Christianity. Yeah. Like I'm that guy. (laughs) I love Jesus. Jesus Christ. Come on. And so (laughs) 
And then at the same time too, was experiencing um, success in basketball. Mm-hmm. So I got to like go on a full ride scholarship and played in college. And then um, during this whole time, I was going so hard for God, but it was, it wasn't because it was coming out of this place of like, God, I'm so like, I'm so in love with you. There was aspects mm-hmm. of that, but it, there was like this zeal because it was like, I was striving so hard to like prove my faith. Mm. And like, when you really got faith, you don't have to prove it. Oh, that's and that's good. what I've really discovered. And so in 2015, there had been these years of all these like underlying doubts and questions. And I remember I'm sitting at my, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm reading this book by this guy named Brian Zahn. And it, it's kind of a, a memoir of his and it's called From Water to Wine. And he talks about this moment where he took this honest look at his Christianity and he's, he's having this thing of saying, I've had this thing all figured out, but now I realize that my Christianity doesn't have any magic or awe in it. There's mm-hmm. no wonder here. Wow. And that hit me. Like I started crying yeah. because I was like, man, I, I know exactly what I believe, but there is no magic here. Mm. And I knew that if I opened this door to try and let some magic in, that my faith was going to get shattered. Mm-hmm. And I finally gave myself permission to do that. And that's kind of what became of my deconstruction. And so fast forward some years later, I am in this awesome space. And I'm so happy that I've allowed myself to ask the question that I asked. Um, mm-hmm. I'm allowed to have doubts and that is perfectly okay. I believe more in Jesus today than I did when I thought I had it all figured out. And my world and my God, my view of him, it just got so much bigger because yeah. when you have it all figured out, it's such a small way to live life. Yeah. Now that I've like opened it up, it's like I can find him in so many more things. Like life became that much more magical because I don't just have to find him in certain places with certain people. Wow. Yeah. And it was funny because one of the other moments that happened in 2015 was I was living in China. I was like two hours north of Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And I'm, this is my last season playing basketball. And I remember I'm out there and I was thinking about, you know, all these sort of like sermons that I heard on revival and all those sorts of things. And I'm thinking, all of that doesn't really do me any good right here, right now with these people who are around me. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to have a theology or belief in God that can actually translate to people around me feeling his love and feeling how good God is, Mm -hmm. I should get rid of it. Wow. And so there was a lot of things that I let go of because I realized that this isn't going to help anybody around me. And that's what I'm here to do. Like, why believe in something if it, it, if it ain't helping anybody? Yeah. So, yeah. That's so good. I'm, I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm super excited the space that I'm in now. A lot of gray, but a lot of good. Yeah. And it's a bigger world. You, mm-hmm. know? you let the magic in. Come on. You, Get that on a T. You let yeah. the magic in. And <laughs> magic is of the devil. So you're going to hell. <laughs> Harry Potter, <laughs> not God, <laughs> not Harry Potter. Wait, Brandon, just one clarifying question about your story because yeah. love and basketball. Besides the Brandy, Whitney Houston, Cinderella, love and basketball is my favorite movie. And no way, yes, that was my sister's favorite movie. Which which one? I never, I was never love and basketball. Um, yeah, my sister was so obsessed with that. She was fully convinced that was going to be her story. There's still time. She's single. So okay, but was that your story? You were in China. You were playing. Was it love or basketball? And you moved back to the States and you meet your wife. Yeah, no. As soon as, yeah, it was crazy. Because as soon as I came home and I'm, and I'm thinking, I think I'm done with basketball, was when I met my wife. So it was like, it. yeah, it was weird. I didn't think I was actually going to be done after that. But once I met her, I was like, oh, this is the real dream right here. I'm there good. It is. There it is. Love and, it. Love so, and basketball, folks. Yeah. That's she's a- not a baller at all. My, 
my wife Maddie cannot shoot to save her life. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool. I'm like, you, you're great at so many other things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Angela, what about you? Um, well, I didn't grow up uh in the church until my parents got divorced. Then okay. uh they started going to Christian churches separately. And my dad went to a very conservative, like white people church. And like, where we sang real boring songs and like real calm, never like anything with like drums or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we did sing this song um, in children's church, though, that went like this. A Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Oh, oh baby, baby, let, let my, my people, people go. go. Oh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> ah, yes. Man, that was oh, my jam. Man. That yeah, was, that was a bop. That was a bop in children's church, son. Yo. Um, so that was my dad's weekend. We'd go to that church. And then my mom's weekend, we went to a very charismatic, multicultural, super diverse, um, mega church. And um, that's where I actually um, started a relationship with God at mm-hmm. that church. And had an encounter with God at church camp and was living a crazy life, spared all the details, but was like doing drugs and stuff and I was young. Um, but then I went and I had a cholo boyfriend who <laughs> never graduated high school, had a kid, real winner. You know what I mean? Just like living his best life and went to church camp and realized I need to break up with my boyfriend, came home, broke up with my boyfriend and then like started living my life for the Lord on the straight and narrow. No more smoking the tweeds, no more doing the <laughs> you know, bad stuff. And, um, from that point on, and I was a virgin. I didn't, I didn't have sex and I knew it was like the guilt that made me not have Mm. sex. It was the purity culture and that whole thing that was just like, no, I have to not have sex, but I'll do all the other parts. I'll find all the loopholes. I mean, other holes, but anyway, um, (laughs) and yeah, then I, Live my whole life very Christian. I'm doing it the right way. And these people are not, but that's okay. They don't have to live their... They can live their life however they want to, but I'll do it the right way yeah. is what my I'm going to be right. Was. I mean, you can do what you want, yeah. but yeah, I'm No judgment. Right. Do whatever you want to do. I'm just going to do it the right way, Yeah, but it's fine. <laughs> um, and then uh, my deconstruction started after I was married. And, um, I always had these questions and my biggest question that I would ask is about homosexuality because I have so many gay family members that Mm -hmm. I've grown up with my whole life. And the church would always say, Oh no, gay is a sin. You're going to hell if you're gay. And I'd be like, Hmm, it doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I held on to it. Bible says, Bible says whatever. And then I got to a point where I was like, Hmm. Does the Bible say that? Who picked the Bible scriptures? Who mm. is the one who wrote this? Who all the things and then all the questions um started coming out and um that that was like my the biggest one for me that was like some's not sitting right mm. with being a Christian if that is what being a Christian means and then it was just growing deeper and deeper and I was like wait a minute so there's like generations and generations of um Muslims and Sikh and Buddhist and whatever else. And you try and tell me all these people generations back went to hell because they weren't Christian. I don't know if I subscribe to this. This feels real 
not good. Like I'm going to get to heaven. There's going to be all white people. They're all white Americans <laughs> in heaven. And that doesn't feel right. Mm. Um, so I started asking all these questions internally, wrestling, getting angry. And then I was just getting angry at the church. And then um, I started like disconnecting myself and cutting ties with people that I no longer subscribe to what they were preaching. And really the big turning point for me was um, the election when Donald Trump became president. And I really realized how not in alignment I was with the American church. And I was like, oh yeah, we're now on the same page. I'm gonna go ahead and ask these questions out loud now. Mm. And um, that's how it happened. And um, that's kind of where I'm at now. As a culture, we're taught to do really kind of whatever it takes to advance our career. We'll invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into our education. We'll take intern jobs with little to no pay for the experience. If you're like me, you will have moved cross country multiple times to put yourself out there. But then with things like love, we say, oh, it'll just happen when it happens. And with things like, do I want kids or not? We say, oh, I'll think about that someday down the road. I'm focusing on me right now, or I'm working on my career right now. But what if we were just as intentional about our reproductive health and our fertility health as we were about our careers? The reality is women are having children later in life, but biology hasn't changed and we need tools to understand the future of our fertility. That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Now, traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash refined, you can get $20 off your test. Also, if you have HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on Modern Fertility. You'll get insight into how many eggs you have, hormone levels, and other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, you need information to make the decision that's best for you. So right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners at the Refine Collective $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refined. That means you get the test for $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it would cost you at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refined. Again, that's modernfertility.com slash refined. First of all, I think it's a beautiful thing to have conversations when we're kind of all on a different journey, right? And where I'm at isn't wrong, where you're at isn't right, and it's just where we are. I know that there's going to be some more conservative evangelical listener that's maybe like, man, I'm going to turn this whole thing off right now. I'm not even going to listen to the rest because are you guys even Christians? And I resonate with what you said, Manuel. I mean, definitely 2003 cat would be like cat today. We don't know what she is, but she's definitely not a Christian. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like God has so much space for us. And I think the Mm -hmm. question that I'm constantly asking myself and that I think about kind of to your point, Angela, of, man, when we die, is it just going to be a bunch of like white people? Oh, man, no. Like, no, please no. Like, what? (laughs) But I just wonder, what are the hills that we die on today that we die and we like meet God or Jesus, whoever, and we're like, man, I was so wrong about that. Like, why did I make that the hill? 
that I wanted to die on. Yeah. What I realized when I was in Bible college was that most people did not want to turn their brain on to think past whatever denomination told them mm. they should think. Yeah. So I remember one time I did a test. I was like, I'm going to get up in my New Testament class. And before the teacher comes up and it was a big class, probably like a hundred people. And I asked the question, I was like, I think, I'm, I'm, I think I know what's going to happen, but I'm going to ask this question. So I get up in front of the class before the teacher comes in and I'm like, hey guys, all the men in here, future pastors of America, let me ask you something. Uh, if your wife made more money than you, how many of you would be okay with it? And the amount of men that sh just shouted me down, that is not of the Lord. The Lord says that we are the head, mm. not the tail. We are the head of the household. Da, 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 da. And I mean, everybody just started screaming <laughs> at me. And I was just kind of like, I didn't respond to anyone. I just got really sad. I was like, I feel bad for a lot of wives yeah. that all y'all fools are going to marry oh, because all muzzled they didn't, they literally couldn't see past and nor did they even take that scripture right. But they yeah. just, <laughs> they just couldn't see past yeah. the the idea of what they've been taught, which right. was an ideology that was mainly Western. And uh, it, it it meant so much to them that they re they just turned their, their brain off. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And they just didn't want to think past that. And I was, I was reading this book cause I'm, I'm super into real estate and I was, I was, I'm reading this book, uh, the rich dad, poor dad again. Oh yeah. And he was talking about how in his house, and, and this is clever, you know, because if you don't know about it, he had a rich dad and he had a poor dad. He had two different dads and both of them were successful. One died with no money, one died with money. And uh, both gave him different kinds of advice. The poor dad would always tell him, you know, stay away from this, don't get into debt, you know, this and this and that, uh, work hard, get a job, you know, put away for retirement. And then the rich dad would tell him, use debt. Make sure you use it for your, because this is how you can get rich and, and mm -hmm. taught them how to use debt, how to wow. use taxes, how to use whatever. And so, That's what that book's about. yeah, so one. <laughs> I've heard about it for so long. That's yeah. such a clever title now that I know what it's about. <laughs> one dad would tell him uh, a certain thing and the other one would tell him, and then he would be left to, you know, decide which dad was which. And oh, so mm. one dad, he was allowed to say, I can't afford this. The other dad would not let him say this. The other dad would say, how can you afford it? Hmm. Because when you say, I can't afford it, wow. your mind shuts off. You're like, well, that's just not for me. I can't afford it. Mm -hmm. And you're done and you, and you mm -hmm. move on. Mm -hmm. The how can I afford it person is wow. like, hmm, I don't have it right now, but there is a way that I can get this. I just got to figure it out. And so they keep their mind going. Mm. And I found that it translates over to the biblical sense or the people who, who read the Bible. Once they read it for face value, and they're real literal and they're real black and white about things, then their mind shuts off. That's right. it. Mind made up. Mm -hmm. They don't think, am I getting this wrong? What did the author really mean? What's the subtext? What's the context? What's the cultural? Like what's all these things that will play into me understanding this scripture correctly? Mm -hmm. You know, I talk to people a lot and I, and I, I you know, I, I tell them in this day and age, we use words like bad as good. You know, dope as not drugs, but as good. <laughs> All these vernaculars that we know in our culture that instantly we pick it up. But if somebody was writing the Bible today and actually wrote down the things that we are saying, 2,000 years from now, people are going to read it and be like, oh my God, they were doing drugs. <laughs> he called him, he said that this thing was bad. That's so bad. <laughs> but really it was good. And I'm like, 
there is so much nuance. There is so much gray that you cannot turn your mind off when you just read the black and white. Right. And I think that's what we've done on numerous levels. Yeah. Well, and also I I agree. There's so, there's so much we lose from the translation and there's just stuff we don't want to look at. I mean, uh, so I was a Bible major and I didn't really know much about Christian culture. And then I become a Christian. I'm like, oh, I guess I can't be myself. I came out of the womb loud. I have lots Mm -hmm. of opinions. Like I want to say things and I become a Bible major and they're like, tap, tap, tap. How cute of you. You're a girl. You know, you can't use that. And I was like, but what about Proverbs 31? Like, yeah. That's like a freaking badass entrepreneurial business savvy financial investor. Her husband is actually influential because of her influence and culture. Mm, So also what about all the women that funded the ministry of Jesus because of their entrepreneurial endeavors? So I'm just like, there is stuff lost in translation. And then there's stuff that we just don't want to look at because of the patriarchy. Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of ways, like, we miss so many of the messages of Jesus. One of the things that I've really discovered within the last couple of years is Jesus is always subversive to the establishment, right? Like he's such a dangerous figure. And instead of using the means of like war and violence, he's like, actually, we're going to use nonviolence. Mm. And actually, we're going to serve the oppressed. And actually, we're going to go spend time with the marginalized people. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, especially here in America, like we miss these messages and these aspects of Jesus's ministry because we are the church of establishment. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, you look at these stories and you're like, yeah, we're the hero here. But in reality, like what you're a part of, you're kind of the villain in the story. Yeah. And if you allow this story and its truth, like it can actually transform you. Mm -hmm. And then you could actually be a part of what Jesus is actually trying to do instead of like unintentionally maybe actually blocking what God's actually trying to do. And that's the thing I've really discovered is like, I've had so many, like to use kind of biblical terms, I've had so many scales over my eyes. I've Mm. just been blinded to the fact that I've missed this so much. Mm. And now I'm finally beginning to understand a little bit what Jesus is trying to tell me. So I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in Jesus right now. Yeah. Like trying to figure this thing out. Yeah. That's good. Good for you. Wow, what a conversation. Doubt. What are your thoughts? For me, the more I dig, the more I ask, the more I doubt, the more I seek, the more I lean into uncomfortable conversations, the more nuance I experience, the more I step into the gray, that's where I find God in the most unexpected of places. And the more I give myself the space for that, the more this comment by Madeline Engel feels true. I mentioned it in the episode, and here's the actual quote from Madeline. Generally, what is more important than getting watertight answers is learning to ask the right questions. As you leave this episode, here are a few reflection questions for you. What came up for you today? What questions are you afraid of asking? Why are you afraid of asking them? What things have you accepted as true without doing your own research? And a great book that I've referenced a lot throughout the journey of this entire podcast is John Stott, Your Mind Matters. It's a great short book. I recommend it to everyone. You can get it on Amazon. It's super cheap. It's all about how God gave us a brain and we are allowed to use it and we are allowed to use it to the glory of God. And we are allowed to think 
critically about truth claims that have been given to us. So I invite you on a journey of exploration. And I'll leave with this. Years ago, when I went on my journey to find out what I believe about God and sex and whether or not I wanted to wait until marriage to have sex or not, it was a moment where I realized I have never researched for myself this script that I've been given by the church. And in going on the journey, I was so afraid that it would blow the whole thing up for me. And actually, in allowing myself to go towards the question and go towards the topics that I thought would perhaps lead me away from my faith, did the exact opposite. In the doubt and in the seeking is where I found a more gracious, expansive, and loving God than I could have ever imagined. All that to say, my heart for you today is to embrace the doubt, embrace the questions, give yourself time and space to process. And that's all I have for you today. Now, next week is part two of my conversation with the Knights at the Roundtable podcast hosts, Manuel, Angela, Brandon. We are talking about sex. And specifically in the second half of our conversation, I asked them the question, if they had to do it over again, would they still wait until marriage to have sex? So get ready. Next week is getting real. All right. Bye for now. Bye for now.